Mitsubishi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Tuesday, June 29th, and for the first time in roughly, I don't know, a million days, the Whip Snakes have lost a game of the old lacrosse sport. So, uh, I mean, huge, huge blow to the Whip Snakes. Many people are saying that this team is absolute dog shit at this point. Uh, so, Jake. Dukes, how are you guys feeling after the weekend? And uh, you, how are you guys feeling about the Whip Snakes losing their first game in, I don't know, like five years? Uh, I mean, pretty pretty solid after this weekend. You know, I just got back from Boston. Um, cool place. Shout out, shout out my mass holes. Um, I know there's plenty of guys who have like a there's like a like there's like a very dedicated rivalry like to a certain pastry shop up there, and I disappointed some people with my pastry shop choice, so. Uh, I chose modern pastry over Mike's and no, no I free mean, ads, but no free ads. Uh, but people were very shocked by that, but still supportive. Um, you know, another team that I I'm not supportive anymore is the absolutely trash whip snakes. Um, just bottom of the barrel. They just, they suck now. Um, so we're anti whip snakes on, I, I guess, um, from going forward. And I, and I do have a theory about why they lost and, uh, we'll, we'll get into that at some point. Um, but I, just, I also, I also have one. So Dukes, we'll let you jump in here in a second, yeah, but, we're gonna, let, but we're, I guess, I guess we're going to have a theory off. We haven't talked about this, but we're going to have a theory off. Yeah, I guess, I guess we are. We just, there wasn't much communication over the weekend. And I think we were all just formulating our own theories. Um, and you know, that's what, th- that's what the minds do. That's what the meeting of the minds, that's what this is every week. So Dukes, let's, let's hear, you know, how your weekend was and, uh, what you, you know, how, how your thoughts about the game. No, had a good weekend running around New York city a little bit. Uh, had some people over, so I threw on the cross for them outside. Um, they, they were pretty confused at first, but, you know, I, I also have my own theory regarding the whip snakes. So why don't we just jump into it? I want to hear your guys first because mine's going to be the right one. Do we, do we get into the theory off right away? That- I, mean, what, I mean, what other, <laughs> you know, introduction, what, what, what better way to start off the pod than just some wild theories? Mine's not really too wild. I just think that all the Terps – uh, they just they started thinking about the legacy of Hopkins and Homewood Field and being so intimidated by you know being at the away you know the away crowd right um, that they just couldn't take the pressure you know they they remembered losing to Hopkins a few times here and there and uh, they saw Paul Rabel um, you know go out there and perform with all the magic and you know the that Hopkins magic and you know I guess the Terps couldn't you know uh, the, the Jays were in the Terps shorts that's that's mine. That's my theory. It's it's very very mild, but okay. uh, that's mine. I I think I think I'm gonna turn up the temperature a little bit here. Um, so one emerald, do it. Yeah. So uh, well, first of all, I I just want to say, you know, everyone out there who listens to this podcast and everyone out here who who sees the clips, Dukes does this dirty with the clips a lot. You guys don't get the full <laughs> context on Instagram. So sometimes I have takes out there that end up being clips that end up like looking. Um, a little less than ideal, but anyone who listened to this podcast last week for the weekend preview, I said that this was going to be a trap game. I sniffed this one out a mile away now. So first of all, like I'm, I have a better brain than anyone who's listening to this podcast right now. If you're listening to this and you've ever thought that my takes are bad, guess what? You're bad. With that being said, was it a trap game? Absolutely. Second game of the weekend for the whip snakes. They're in Baltimore. They're going to be having a good time. They've already got the win under their belt on, on night number one. 
So, you know, they, they head into Sunday and they don't really have much of a care in the world. Plus they're a little bit banged up. So absolute trap game. With that being said, I think that this was actually a strategic loss for the Whip Snakes. One in which they, I would never say that a team purposefully lost because that there's, there's no integrity or honor behind that, but it's one that they were perfectly fine with losing because hear me out for a second here. You know, they play on Friday night. They get a nice little win against the Atlas, maybe a little bit closer than they were hoping for. Took Matt Rambo getting the job done in overtime, but they get their win against the Atlas. Then on Saturday, 5.15 p.m., they go out and they see the chaos win a must-win game against the Redwoods. Now, what are you thinking to yourselves? Okay, maybe the chaos are getting a little hot. Maybe this is a team that could be dangerous the same way that they were in the bubble where they start off like dog shit, but then they get better as the season goes on and then they're a championship contender. So what do you have to do? Well, if the chaos won, all you have to do is just let the Chrome beat the fucking balls off of you on Sunday in the last game of the weekend because now you look at the standings, guess who's still in dead last place? The chaos sitting at one and three with a goal differential of minus 10. The Chrome... They're one and two, and they have a goal differential now after beating the, bra- beating the balls off the whip snakes of plus two. So the Chrome are ahead of the chaos in the standings. Are the whip snakes looking at the Chrome being like, I'd rather see them in the playoffs than the chaos and losing to the Chrome on purpose kind of helps them out in that way? Some are saying. That's a really good theory. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm buzzing right now. I mean, also, like, my brain's, like, kind of broken from that whole take. But I agree with – the goal differential thing actually does make a lot of sense. But I just think that they were really hung over from the weekend. Because just going back, I said this before, but I do think that they went out, they had fun. You know, the alumni getting together, all that. And also, it is turning into, turning into one of those things where it's been – when's the last – it's one of, one of those shitty Twitter accounts. Like, when's the last time the uh, whip stakes lost or, like, did – the whip stakes lose and it's always nope 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 it's going on for like 672 days so i think that it was one of those losses where they just want to like get a clean slate let people think that they're vulnerable let people think that you're dead and then when you come back to long island you know that whip stakes team's filled with some long island guys so they'll be ready to buzz coming into long island yeah, I mean, you think about like what a snake does. It like lies in the weeds and it strikes you when you least expect it. So I guess, you know, if people are thinking that the whip snakes are dead. Uh, well, then, you know, you, you show up to Long Island this coming weekend. And um, so, so who do they? Oh, well, they have the archers. So that'll, that'll be a tough one against them. Obviously, we'll get into that when we get into our week four preview. Um, but yeah, so I mean, up and down weekend for the whip snakes, obviously that, uh, you know, that first game of the weekend was naturally going to be the biggest, the Friday night lights, uh, event taken on the Atlas. They get that 12, 11 win in overtime. This was the first game that we got to see Jeffrey Teat play professional lacrosse. Um, I don't know if he ever played, maybe he might've played in, um, for, for, Maybe he played on like the the major team for Brampton in uh, in box up in Canada. But as far as like professional lacrosse here in the states go, this was the first time that we got a chance to see Jeff T play professional lacrosse, and the first time we got a chance to see him play lacrosse in general in quite some time. Um, wasn't quite the greatest game for him right out of the gate, to be expected. I don't think that he played lacrosse in 
like 400 days, at least not at a, at a high level. Um, still had two points, but um, yeah, I mean that, that first game of the night or first game of the weekend, uh, you know, w- was there anything that stood out to you guys about that one uh, besides obviously Matt Rambo putting the team on his back and showing the world why he is the most elite thick boy in the United States, North America, Eastern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere. I don't really know how hemispheres work, but uh, yeah, what would you guys think about that first game? I thought having, I mean, I, I thought they just the Atlas were just so jazzed by having Jeff Teat on the field. I mean, it was just clear that there was a different kind of energy seeing a guy like Jeff Teat uh, just out there moving and grooving. I think the important thing was that. I just I think that people kind of I think and I don't I don't think we necessarily do but I think we've kind of underplayed how good Jeff Teat really is. Um, I mean, you just mentioned that Brampton that no seriously I just I think people have people are like oh yeah he's just kind of a you know Jeff Teat's Jeff T right like dude, everybody's like the focus is on like uh, we're talking. Um, you know, Rabel at Homewood, we're talking about Lyle doing Lyle's thing, which is understandable. And we're talking about this, that, or the other, you know, all the rookies that Atlas have, right? But like, I just looked up the stats while you were talking about Brampton, you know, Brampton. In the past three years at, for the Brampton Excelsiors, which is the junior A team that he played for, he scored over 400 points in three years, which is just absolutely it's ridiculous video game numbers, right? So he's, he's just a very – but for him to come out this weekend and to perform the way that he did, there's not a whole lot of players that, ha- that have an equitable box and field game. And I think that Jeff T being on the field is, was extremely important for not only the Atlas morale, but for also everyone watching to, you know, kind of see like, oh, that guy – rules at box he also rules at field too and to see how those skills translate sorry that was a little coach speak for you but like it was fucking sick how's that i mean just we could talk about jeff t but i don't we'll talk about his sunday game but friday night caraway's a beast i mean he, he's yeah he, he he's the real deal um but even we were talking about Gustavo like coming into the year and we were like can he be the main midfielder Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go, 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 go with that for me one more time. Yeah, I was going to wait for No, I know. I was going to lead it off somewhere else. Gustavo is a top five midfielder, top 10 player. No? How, You're talking how about are you... their pronu- your pronunciation of the name. Is he, is he Spanish? Gustavo? Costabil? Oh, sure. Whatever. <laughs> Jordy, Jordy's about to have a fucking stroke with the way you pronounce his name, right? I, there's like two things I do. I talk across and I mispronounce names. <laughs> Regardless, no, no, no. I agree. Go with you. Go with your take. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm crushing that one. I like that. I was actually, I was staring at his name, and I was gonna just say Bcos, but I was like, I don't, I don't. nobody's gonna know that one, right? <laughs> I, th- I think he would be a top five midfielder in the league if he pronounces last name that way. Get, throw, Cost throw a little. No, no, I, 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 yeah, I but can't if, pronounce if, but, it. Yeah, no, but, but if he started going by Brian Costable, I think that, like, <laughs> that, that's a player who has like a lot of like flair, a lot of seasoning. <laughs> like, I think that that's a guy who can be a top five. Mid- like a, Brian Costable is like, a, yeah, he's like a borderline like top 10 midfielder, but Brian Costable, like that yeah. fucks. He's 09 variable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> precisely. And then also just like that Mark Cockerton shot to uh, send it into overtime, filthy. That was so Canadian. Him and T playing that two-man game. It seems like it's going to be dangerous. 
And then Danny Logan, stud. He's I think he's right now one of the best short stick D middies I've seen in the so far. I mean, he's just like seamlessly came on and can play in the professional game. And then I just had no idea that Michael Rexrode was a baller. He he shut down Lyle on Sunday. So just those were like the guys I just wanted to shout out from that team. But overall, I'm really impressed by the Atlas and that after they got thrashed by the archers in the first week, it was nice to see them come along and uh split 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 a win and a loss this weekend. Yeah, I think I, it was I, great. Yeah. I think it was great to see the rookies out there balling. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think that that is I think that that's like the biggest question for everyone for every time these teams draft new players is like how quickly can they adapt to, you know, that's the testament of the PLL is how quickly can these college guys and these old MLL guys come into the league and adapt to the style of play. And I mean, maybe took them two or three games, but like Garraway's out there, Bacaro's there, like, you know, those guys can play same with Gockerton and some of the other, the other, um, the other veterans, but sorry, Jordan interrupted you. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I was just going to, keep saying like what we've been saying so far, like the past few minutes, like I think that this was a, a huge weekend for the Atli, um, you know, to be able to, to take the two time defending champs into overtime and then get that huge win against the cannons, which, um, you know, it always helps when you have a guy like Jeff Teat who can go off for a quick seven and two um, to kind of just pave the way there. But, you know, when you, when you have a guy like Teat go for seven and two, and then on the other end of the field, you're able to hold Lyle Thompson to just two assists on the day. Um, I mean, that's just an, like an all around complete, uh, weekend for the outlies. So like that was, that was huge for them. And that was, um, I mean, Dukes, like, I, I, I feel like I was, uh, very against you early on in the season when, when you thought that, uh, you know, the Atlas were going to be one of the better teams in the league this year. I didn't see it at all, but I, like after this, like they had the biggest show me weekend out of everybody mm-hmm. in the league. Um, so that was, that was huge for them. Um, I would like to see eventually the, um, the league go to, I, I don't know. I I know that this drives hockey fans crazy sometimes, but like, I I do think that you should get a little bit more. um, You should get like some sort of of like a point standings for getting a game to overtime. So it doesn't really make sense to be like, to, to take that loss against the, um, the whip snakes just as a full blown loss, like where you could like get like some sort of points in a, you know, standing system um, by taking them to overtime. So maybe something for the league to think about moving forward. But uh, yeah, huge game, huge weekend overall out of the Atlas. Uh, yeah. And anything else about Jeff T? I mean, seven and two kind of speaks for itself. Like it's his second game in over a year coming back into, you know, a league that he's playing in for the first time, getting himself familiar with a lot of these players for the first time. I know that he's played with Cockerton a few, um, but yeah, that, I mean, that just proved that he is on the trajectory at least to be at that John Grant Jr. level of just complete and total domination on both the field and in the box. You kind of spelled it out. Yeah, I just think, you know, we, we talk about how it's such a reactionary league. And this weekend was the perfect example. After Friday, people were like, why would you Jeff, draft Jeff T number one? Does Jeff T still have his fastball? And then So I want to talk so- about, are there people that are, are, there people that <laughs> oh, are saying that? 
there, there yeah, were exactly, there were, there were people, because, there were people because that thought it was th- a wasted pick. Yeah. Oh my god! Because yeah. I, I have I have a lot of lacrosse Twitter muted at this point. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> like you guys suck. It's the like, worst. It's worse. You guys, than, you guys you are say, it's so, so bad. bad. Like it is fucking terrible. Like you guys don't know what you're talking about. Um, oh, so I ha- I have a lot of it muted. So I you know I I just perception is reality so i don't hear people saying that chef t was a wasted pick because i don't have them on on uh, my timeline but yeah what a bunch of fucking idiots go ahead dukes i just you know on the topic of lax twitter i just want to shout out my boy jake marsh jake marsh beloved jake stool stream stadium announcer part of my take he's gonna be announcing a game for colorado like july 30th if you think that Jake Marsh isn't doing everything in his power to grow the game of lacrosse, go fuck yourself. I've saw some absolute buffoons on Twitter this weekend. I won't even I shout too. him out. <laughs> Ask, if, you're, if you're above the age of 50 and you refer to the lacrosse as the creator's game on Twitter, we're not going to get along. Because it, it's always grow the game, grow the game, grow the game, but only grow the game the way I want it to be grown. And I cannot stand that. And I was very, very ticked off this weekend when I saw that. I think my point, you know, and I was like lamenting to like my fiance and like we were in an Uber or something this weekend. I was just absolutely just like, it was that, you know, it was that meme where the guy's got the girl at the baseball game and he's literally like just talking about something. She's staring straight ahead. That was me. I was like, (laughs) I, I, you know, for the life of me, I can't understand why, you know, if, if we're the whole lacrosse community collectively, one of our major goals is to grow the game and to get more eyes on the sport. And I can't, for the life of me understand why, you know, this, you know, probably one of the world's best, biggest media companies, right. Is supporting this game, right. That's more eyes on the game that would otherwise not be, I don't understand, you know, yeah, you might have beef with Barstool or what have you, but at the same time, like it's more eyes on the game. I can't understand why you would be opposed to that. Like more exposure to the sport is, is literally the, is the name of the game. Right. And to be such a fucking wet blanket about it on Twitter is like, I, I just, it's, it's, it's reactionary in this, in the way that in the sense that's like, you're just like, I don't know. It's the fucking well, peanut gallery. I, I, yeah, and I, I think, ass. I think the word that you're looking for is probably like a lot of it is just all so performative. Yes. Like, it's very much performative, dude. Like, yeah. Like, like people, you know, like, like it, they it made an arbitrary. They made a stance yeah. like five years ago, and they're like just refusing to give up that ground because like they think that they've sat, they 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 found some like fucking high road where they're going to be. You know, the only way that we can grow the game is like you know, I, I don't find what is. I don't even know what their idea of growing the game looks like. Right? Like well, if Tiffany's, that's not it, then what is it? Morris Tiffany's wooden stick can only grow the game so much. Agreed. So, I I mean, you can only you can only do so much, right? Like I, I don't I don't. Having the number one sports podcast talk about the professional game every single weekend and having one of their co-hosts or whatever, however he's affiliated to the podcast, announce it, will bring people in, they will buy Peacock, and they will want to listen just for Jake. And they'll bet on the game. They will bet on the game, too. They will get in the sports book. Because the sports book has lines now. Exactly. I mean, it's (laughs) like, it's it's just, I I don't. I know. I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what you want out of it, right? If if that's not what you want, then I don't know what you want, right? If if you don't want more eyes on the game, then what do you want? Less eyes on the game? That seems counterintuitive. It it's it's all very performative. It's it's gatekeepy in the worst way possible. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's just like people. I don't know, like again, like the lax bro 
vibe like in like i i understand like people are like we got to get rid of like the lax bro uh image that the sport has if if we want to grow and it's like yeah like to an extent maybe fine like do we need con bro chill out there like in neon argyle Con bro chill doesn't even do his fucking thing anymore he well, hates that shit well yeah but but like what i'm saying is like like i i understand like getting like rid of like yeah. some of like that like bolt like you know like may, maybe it doesn't all need to be pastel shorts and croquis but like i don't know man like i like ah I don't know. I mean, it's, we've done, dude, we've, uh, you don't have to go any further on it because that stuff has fizzled out because collectively the guys who are like, yeah, we're like in our mid twenties or whatever. Like, you know, we, we all know that that shit's played out. It was fun for a little bit. And like, yeah, it like really, it, it like the Venn diagram of like, you know, brand Brantford Winston worth and like lax bros was like a circle at one point. And like, we all did it and we were all guilty of the Argyle shorts and shit. Like we, we did that shit. And you know, it was even UNC had it in their goddamn helmets. Like, but like nowadays, like the kids have their own thing now. Right. And like, they're, I mean, they're going to, it's what is, it's like ankle socks and like hiking your shorts up as, as <laughs> high as possible, which is whatever. It's fucking hilarious sometimes. Right. It, but it looks stupid to me. It was, it's fucking hilarious. Right. So like, I don't even think the kids like are, the kids aren't even growing up to be the lax bro thing that these people are gatekeeping, which it, you're gatekeeping the game from, if that's, if that makes sense. Right. They're not even on that trajectory. Oh, yeah. So they're like, I don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. One last comment on it. Yeah. One last comment on it. Just going back to the Laxbro culture is, you know, I'm glad that it's kind of fizzling out of our game, but man, I'm so happy that I I lived through it and I was a part of it. Oh yeah, no, it was history. Fucking rough. (laughs) As much as I hate it now, it's it was sick. It was so fun. Yeah. Yeah, but but like, listen, like there's still a large part of me that is full blown Laxbro. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, I I fucking love that shit. So like. You know, and, and there are a lot of people that it's, I don't know. It's just, it's like all these people that I look at and it's like, dude, like, I know, like, you're like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know how, oh yeah, we got, we got on this because uh, Jake is going to be calling a game, which is going to be great because Jake yeah, does be awesome. a phenomenal job at, mm-hmm. uh, on, on play by play. I mean, he, he went to school for it. He's done plenty of games before he's called Syracuse lacrosse games before he's done a bunch of Vermont basketball games. So, um, you know, he knows his shit as far as it comes to calling a game. So, you know, when people tune into that one on Peacock, like they're not going to hear just some like idiot going up there, like making fun of the sport. They're going to hear a guy who's, really talented at doing play-by-play who, it's his craft who, yeah it's his craft, it's his craft. Who, who also has um you know a, a powerhouse like part of my take behind him with that being said there is one group of individuals who might not have that powerhouse of part of my take behind them for very much longer if they keep going down the path that they're going down because whew, it was not a great weekend to be affiliated with water dogs lc the water dogs come out saturday night 8 p.m on uh they're on national television nbcsn and they get shit pumped by the archers the archers come out will manny must like how how nice must it have been to be will manny in that game it just seemed like every single time the ball touched his stick within I don't know, like seven tenths of a second. It was in the back of the net. Uh, so Will Manny was automatic in that game. Uh, you know, uh, 
Granamant had himself, I think he had what, like six points, maybe like a goal and five assists, something like that. Um, so the archers just continue to be as dominant as it comes offensively, uh, you know, and at, on the defensive side of the game, uh, Gettleman was a beast in, in cage, Graham Hasek, just a, an absolute menace. Um, so, I mean, the archers are clearly at this point, the most lethal team in the league. Um, and the water dogs just had no answers for that. So uh, thoughts on either the archers dominance or water dogs, probably looking for new ownership in the very near future. Dukes, why don't you lead off here? So I can see your face. Yeah. I think the, the funny, I think one of my favorite things I saw on the old twitter.com today was this quote from, from our friend, big cat uh, who might be out of ownership, but he said, do you want to recap of the water dogs game? Okay. Have you seen the movie Old Yeller? <laughs> Which I thought just put it so perfectly. But, I mean, it, was, it seemed like it was over at halftime. Archers clearly are just the most complete team in the league. They probably have the best defense, definitely have the best offense. And I think that the secret to their magic this year, have you guys noticed that Will Manny every single game day morning plays that little, the guys at the ski resort and the song and everyone's going nuts? I think that might just be their mojo now. I get fired up every time I see that video. Well, um, did, did you see the, the post-game locker room celebration video? They're, no, they're not yet. Very similar vibes. So, I mean, they, I'm, I'm still a little undecided on how I totally feel about it. Like, I actually, no. I, I love when the boys are buzzing. The boys yeah. can buzz whenever they want to buzz. So, were they celebrating like maybe they won the championship when in reality they won a week three game against the mm-hmm. Water Dogs? Maybe. But the boys were – Tarps off, shaking the beer around, spraying the beer all over the place. The locker room looked like it was absolute scenes. Um, so that, I mean, like that's a team that has it going right now. Oh, yeah. Buzzing, a lot of chemistry on that team. Um, and then when you just shoot the shit out of the ball, like, like, like what the fuck do you even do if you're like poor Dylan Ward? Like, I, I feel so bad for Dylan Ward because he is a great goalie and he was just getting fucking splashed left and right. Whether it was Will Manny, whether it was Tom Shriver, whether it was Scott Ratliff pulling up for an absolute cannon from two. Um, like, there's really not much that you can do against that team. Um, so, like, unless all of those sticks go dry at some point, like, I just don't see how this team doesn't keep that rolling all the way through the rest of the season. Cause there, there's too many of them for them to have, for all of them to have a bad game at the same time. We also said last week, the, the water dogs were two and one, but they hadn't really played anyone. They beat the chaos and the Chrome who I think had, were combined for zero wins after last weekend. So this was a show me game and they just simply did not show up. Actually, I'm still waiting for them to show up and I'm still trying to watch the game, but yeah, Archer's clearly the best team. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm of that. I mean, I'm, I'm of the same thought process. I, I think that the archers have shown a lot. I think that, I mean, they've got the highest scoring differential, right? So, you know, they, they, they're sitting real pretty. They've got the best scoring differential of all the other teams even combined. Um, do we make the argument that they don't have three quality wins? Do we, do we make that argument? Good. Could we? So, so who do they have? They have the Water Dogs, they have the Chaos, and then they also have uh, Water Dogs, Chaos, and that. Okay. Well, I mean, the Atlas, I mean, that, that's a good win. Now, that's Atlas pre-Jeff Teat. Pre-Jeff Teat. 
Um, so I think that there's there there could be an argument there. Listen, there the boys do buzz. All right, there's no denying it. All right, Bones Kelly is having a, is having a a great year. You know, Graham Hasek is probably to be perfectly fair from everything I've heard about Hasek, he is was the steal of the draft. Okay, um, so you know you've got everybody who can score and then get playing. You know, doing his thing, absolute psycho. Um, I, I mean, the, the archers are a force to be threat, uh, force to be reckoned with. However, um, there is an argument to be made that their that their three wins aren't quality wins, and I won't entertain it because I I, I do not believe it. Actually, I think because the archers are actually just a solid team. But um, if somebody were to say that on Lax Twitter and they were under fifty years of age and didn't have kids, I would probably talk to them about it. Um, other than that, I'm not even I'm not even gonna go gonna go there. Um, well, I'll tell you what we we won't have to wait long to figure out if they are leg- like this dominant or not because they play against the Whip Snakes on the Fourth of July, so uh, 12:30 p.m. Eastern Time, NBCSN. So uh, depending on what your what your schedule is for the fourth weekend, um, you know, just you know, maybe if, if you're heading to the beach, maybe just make sure you have a nice little data plan, stream that game on the beach. Uh, but archers, whip snakes like that, that'll be the one. Um, as long as the whip snakes are able, I, I know that they they've got some injuries to deal with right now, but they should probably, yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, are we, is that going to be whip snakes without Zed and Rambo? We don't know. I, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, again, like, I think that the archers have so many weapons that like, even if two of them were to have like a not so great shooting day, there's still another four that can just produce and produce and produce. Um, so like in order for them to not have at least like 15 goals in a game, like, I feel like you need at least like three or four of them to suck in that day. And that's a lot of guys to suck on the same day. Um, that's what also said. just the way that the archers have beaten all their opponents because you're right if you look at the three rosters or the three teams they beat it's not like crazy it's not they're playing the whip snakes it's the bottom three it's the bottom three teams no, but league, it's, right? the fa- it's the fashion that they've done it putting up mm-hmm. 17 i mean the chaos kind of slowed them down if i remember correctly yeah 12 12 to 8 but that's where their defense comes in and that's where they, show, they show that their defense is legit and no team scored over 10 i don't think on them no, I mean yeah. three shots against over three games is uh, it's it's less than ten. Yeah, because they have shots eight, against shit. Six, yeah, geez, scores a, against three two. It, it's 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 hard to get shots of your own when you're busy pulling that ball out of the back of your own net like every other minute. So um, yeah, I mean archers are are very much legit. Probably my favorite team to watch so far. Um, I don't know. I mean that that could change though if the Atlas kind of keep this up. Um, is Jeff T is he is he too selfish? Is that there's an argument to be made? There's, I mean, is is that a, is that too much of an ego on the field? He, I mean, that's not growing the game. Here, uh, here's the thing. I mean, seven goals and only two assists. Don't love that ratio. Kind of kind of tells me that he's a Jeff T. Ball hog. My column. If I'm Jake Caraway right now, I'm I'm demanding a trade. Maybe you know. Like he was having a great season, and then all of a sudden, Jeff T comes around and he shoots the ball eleven times, gets seven goals. Fucking sick bastard! And Caraway's left with with only two. He only gets six shots. Um, so 
Could be trouble in paradise. Oh, by the way, speaking of shots, I'm glad to know now that Andy Towers, clearly a listener of the show because we've been begging for weeks at this point uh, for the chaos to be getting Mac O'Keefe a little bit more involved in that offense, get those shot totals up. So he comes out, he takes five shots against the Redwoods on, uh, what was that, the Saturday game? Mm-hmm. So, you know, finally getting the ball in a stick a little bit, finally giving him the green light to let it fly. He had one of the smoothest low-to-high strokes that we've seen in quite some time on one goal. Uh, also came up, stepped in, went bombs away from the two-ball range. So, I mean, he ends up with three points on the day off of five shots. And now here's the thing. I'm not much of a math guy, but the chaos, they win this game 11-9. to That's two goals right there. Mac O'Keefe with three points. Do the math on that one. Mac O'Keefe, the biggest difference maker in this game, all because they finally got him the ball a little bit more, let him shoot. So Andy Towers, you are so welcome that we did our job, that we did your job for you. Um, so, I mean, Mac O'Keefe, like if, if he gets hot, like do you guys see the chaos maybe turning this thing around a little bit? All right. I love Mac. I think he is a light. I think he is a, generational talent right like all-time leading scorer in ncaa history or all-time leading scorer with goals in uh ncaa history um he is a compliment player right he does really well when he's got a very strong one on the on the field um which is i mean there's tons of players like that there's guys who just are very confident by themselves on the field and then there's guys who are excellent compliment players um, I don't see Mac turning the game over to himself and being like, yeah, give me, I see Mac being like, yeah, I'm going to get myself in a position where I can, ha- where I can, where I will shoot the ball. Will Manny. If you give it to me. Right. He's a fantastic Will Manny. I don't think Will Manny and Marcus Holman are the same without each other. Right. Like, you know, the bunk bed boys, what have you, you know, I think O'Keefe needs a, a Holman to his Manny. Um, and I think that he'll just always be like that, which is perfectly fine. Um, and it's just going to depend on who wants to be that guy for O'Keefe. And they run a lot of guys through the box. Um, so I don't know. They play a little bit more together and they figure out, you know, who's going to be the feeder. And I think that that will just, I think that, I think that, I think that kind of dynamic on a team takes the most time, right? It's pretty easy to figure out like, who's your guy? Like, who's my, who's my guy that I'm going to, you know, Jeff Teat, the Atlas. That's a great great example right uh lyle on the cannons great example rob pinnell he's the guy maybe the chaos are looking for that and that guy also needs to you know feed o'keefe so okay you know mac wants to eat let's let him eat who's gonna feed him that's where i'm at i'm with you on that i agree with all the analysis you just gave but i think that right now mac o'keefe is without a doubt in my mind the best shooter in the world I'd put him above anyone. Um, Brown definitely has the argument, but I, I'll take Mac O'Keefe over anybody. Once he starts getting players back too and the attention starts getting away from him, I think he'll also be able to ball out. We're still forgetting people in the chaos, like Curtis Dixon's still not playing, and people are coming back from their tra- unable to travel list. So I think Mac throughout the season will see that he balls out. Will I say that he will single-handedly be the reason the chaos start picking it up, start getting some wins? No but he'll definitely be the piece of that puzzle. Um, just like, and then just touching on the Redwoods, where, where were they in the fourth quarter? They just didn't show up. You know, TD did everything that he could, guest of the program, 77% from the X, 
absolutely destroyed Kyle Gallagher, but you can't have your guy go 77% for Max and, and lose like that, especially not scoring in the second or fourth quarter. So I don't know. The Redwoods need to figure some things out, but they definitely have the talent to, uh, to make a push. Yeah, there, there were a couple moments in that game that I thought the Redwoods had a, like a perfect opportunity to kind of take over a little bit and, and pull away from that. Like there was one where uh, I'm pretty sure it was, it was like a five on four for the chaos and they just they didn't get like a single shot off of it, um, which was wild to me, especially given how many box players are on that team and how many of them are used to having a five on four power play. Um, so like those are moments where like, okay, like the Redwoods should probably be able to kind of step on the gas a little bit and, and take over after, you know, a missed opportunity like that. They weren't. Um, I don't know. Like the, the Redwoods are a very fine team, but I, they, they just don't really do it as much for me. I don't know. Like, like I, I just feel like their games are just a little – they're a little too boring for me. So, like, I find myself just, like, being, like, a little more checked out from those games as opposed to watching the Archers or now with Caraway and Jeff Teat going. What um, do you mean by boring? He hates defense. I, yeah, I was about I, to say, I, what, do you, what do you like? What do you like? Uh, they're too blue-collar for you? Like, they don't work hard enough? Like, what, what are we talking about here? Like th- these are these are games where like there there was a moment in that game like Saturday so I you know I I had a, I had a pretty big Saturday did a lot of lot of cooking a lot of ribs a lot of lot of fried chicken um you know and and as that game was going on Saturday I was like you know what like I I had a, a big day and these guys are playing some boring lacrosse like this is a perfect time to just kind of rest my weary eyes for a quick thirty minutes because I know I'm not going to really miss anything too exciting. I mean. But like, is Miles Jones not exciting to you? No, like, is he's is not. Seen, right? Is seen, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, he's, he's not. <laughs> I he's a he's a uh, he's a specimen. He doesn't really do it for me as a lacrosse player as much. I love you, Miles Jones. Thank you for coming on the podcast at one time. That after I'm saying this right now, probably will be the last time because you'll probably <laughs> deny any request. Um, I don't know. He's I don't. He's he's not that exciting to me. Like Pinnell is exciting. He's a freak. Ryder's exciting because he's like water, and you never really know what he's going to do out there. Um, I don't know. Like Perkovic doesn't really do it for me. Like he he's got he's got a, a he's got range, but like. Okay, that's cool. Like, so does Mac O'Keefe, and it's way drippier. So, Redwoods, I know they, I, they, they don't have enough. They don't got enough juice for me. They're, I was going to say, is it, is it not enough flair for you? Yeah, is there's it, not, it's, there, it's there's, just not enough flair. Not enough flair coming off the Redwoods. Okay, that's, was, much, that's much better. Yeah, I can see that. I do, I do agree with you, but in the first half, you had to be up for at least the first quarter, first half, because Bertrand's BTV was disgusting, and then the Ryder Garnsey one hand wrapped around was also gross but besides that there really wasn't anything too spectacular about this about the uh, redwoods offense yeah and then on the other hand like kyle jackson also had a shout out the yep. uh, sport, sports center top side i thought kyle jackson also going to end up being a very um underrated steal of that expansion draft or was it the expansion draft or the entry draft i don't know there were like five different drafts so whichever draft he was picked in um great value for the chaos on that one um yeah, but yeah, that that's that's where my hang up is with the Redwoods. Like, there's just not enough flair unless like Ryder gets a chance to really get going. Um, you know, because even like you know how how many how many RP three question marks can you really see until you've seen them all? I do love them though; they're fucking textbook. 
but yeah, so that was week three in the in the PLL. Are we are we missing anything here, boys? It, uh, um, we touched on Atlas Cannons. We, we touched on that. On yeah, we. Uh, well, oh, I I do want to say the Chrome those uh, those alternate unis with the the white fading. Yeah, those were the disgusting. Teal. Yeah, they figured it out. So good. That's the good oh, stuff. Okay, just making sure you're using disgusting in the good way. <laughs> oh yeah, no, disgusting as in like fantastic, just uh, just top to bottom, unreal. You know, I, I can't say enough bad things about the sock choices by Adidas, and I just whoever keeps using that shit needs to be fucking fired. Um, but I mean, the Chrome had it down. Great kits, great kits, because they but they had the most potential. Like at like when the color schemes came out anyway. They had the most potential for drip anyway, and like they are absolutely living up to it. So, Chrome at the top of my list for freshest kits, no doubt. Um, other, I don't think there was any other lacrosse news. I did see, you know, we're, we're recording this a couple days beforehand, but like, you know, today we did see that Rob Pinnell is going to be on uh, Ninja Warrior, I guess the American Ninja Warrior. Um, I imagine it's some sort of like regional qualifier, right? So, I mean, he's a pretty built specimen, right? So maybe he – do we think he makes it? I'm going to go – Let's go percentage. What percentage of the course do you think he'll get? Uh, d- does he get through? I'm, yeah. I'm going to say I'm gonna say he gets through 80 of it, and, like, maybe there's just, like, one little, like, slip up at the end. But I think, like, as far as athleticism goes, like, I, I don't really see how they're – I don't know. I, I don't find myself watching too much American Ninja Warrior, so I, I don't know all the obstacles that he'll have to go through. But um, I'm saying he gets through 80%, but just slips up at the end. And maybe just because, like, if you finish the course, like, do you move on to anything? I think you do. I, I don't know how it works specifically, yeah. but I imagine it's some sort of, like, you had, you had to, like, reach, a, like, could, the qualifying could, round to be on TV. Could you imagine if Rob Pinnell had to miss a PLL game because he, he beat the Ninja American Ninja Warrior course and then he had to move <laughs> on to the next event? Listen, I mean, listen, it's going to be on NBC. So, like, he's he's got to – I mean, it would be good for the game, right? I wish he would do it tarps off. Dukes, what uh, percent is he getting through? I think, like, 80. I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big America Ninja Warrior fan. And, and by a big fan, I mean when it's randomly on the TV, I'll never turn it off. Uh, but I don't know. He'll, he'll probably get to like 75% of it and then fall, like you said, but how can he, he can't have come back from a career year. Cause he's having an MVP caliber season uh, right now. Last year he d- really didn't. So can you be back in lacrosse while also striving for a career in American Ninja Warrior? I don't think so. And I like that take that you have that the conflicting PLL weekend. So I'm going to say he's out tonight. Say he's out tonight. Yeah. Um, when when do we think that this was filmed? A week ago, probably. Right. I get. Uh, so be, maybe the bye week. Maybe maybe a little bye yeah, week action. Bye week action. Imagine being so athletic, you just have to figure out that you know you can go do American Ninja Warrior on TV during your bye week as a professional athlete. I would I would love to know. Actually, I wouldn't love to know because it would like bore me to bore me to hell. But the like all the all the insurance talk that went into that shit like oh yeah for no. sure yeah oh my god thank whew. that would be that would be that would be a story like league mvp candidate 
out for multiple weeks after getting injured attempting American Ninja Warrior course. Um, that that's a blog that luckily I'll be able to keep in the drafts. Uh, but yeah, Jake, what what do you think? We we both said that he doesn't get through. Um, I think that this is. I I don't think that. RP3 would undertake something like this if he wasn't 100% bought in. I bet you he's been training at like a Ninja Warrior gym. And I know based on, I know that he hangs out with a bunch of fitness bros on Instagram and they do like this wild different like Navy SEAL training um, that I've seen. Like it's, it's wild. Um, So I think that he probably could make it through um, and run it clean. Uh, I don't know, like he's certainly not built like a lot of the, the, he's built different hashtag built different, um, than the other Ninja Warrior athletes. A lot of them are like tall and lanky and like, just, you know, they, their arm length is like way too long and shit like that. They seem like slightly evolved cross country guys. Yeah. Like if you put like a, like a, like a really fast cross country guy with like a rock climber and you just, you kind of molded them together. Like that's like a Ninja Warrior champion. Our RP three is not, he's kind of, he's like a CrossFit guy. Right. So I think that it's probably a good bet to, and this is one of my awesome takes here. It'd be a good bet to say that he makes it through 80% and then fails, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he got through all the way. So I'm covering all my bases yet again, I am so good at it. Pat's on the back to me. I know what you're saying. You're saying, you're basically saying, again, gambler. You're saying yep. he will cover the spread, but he yes. will not win straight up. I like that. Yeah, he's going to cover, he's going to cover, but he won't win straight up. I, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. It, it wouldn't be a true episode of the crease dive if we didn't get a patented. I wouldn't be surprised if from shadow um you're welcome (laughs) well yeah so i mean everyone who's listening to this right now like rp3 was already on american ninja warrior so that might have been like a big old waste of your time um but that's cool like you guys you guys enjoyed it whatever um so i don't know maybe you guys are listening to this and rp3 just retired from the pll because he's pursuing his (laughs) dreams in american ninja warrior so breaking you heard it here first from the past um but yeah that was week three in the premier lacrosse league uh so we've got, uh, you know, we, we've got Long Island coming up and uh, Dukes, you'll be there boots on the ground uh, with all your Garden City rats. Uh, so o- o- over, you know, all the flids down in Hofstra. So uh, we'll have the week four PLL preview episode for you on Friday. Uh, but to send you off on your way after this weekend, we've got a little treat for you guys. Uh, we were able to sit down and grab some time with national champion Connor Schellenberger from the university of Virginia. Uh, unfortunately Jake had to miss this one. He was, uh, somewhere in the Atlanta airport, which is like its own city. Um, so Jake wasn't there for that, but just Dukes and I taking that one on, got a chance to talk to Shelly about winning a national championship, uh, going to school in his hometown, what his plans are for the summer and a whole bunch of other stuff. So make sure you stick around after the jump for Connor Schellenberger. And in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high to the day we die. We out. All right, joining us now, we've got a guy who just wrapped up his redshirt freshman season at the University of Virginia, had himself a 
you know, relatively decent year in, in the NCAA, kind of finished it off with a little thing called a national championship. Uh, we are lucky enough to be joined by national champion Connor Schellenberger. Uh, first time on, hopefully not the last. Shelly, thanks for hopping on with us. How's it going? And, uh, you know, how's it been over the last month or so since, uh, since winning on Memorial Day? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's been uh, it's been a pr- pretty surreal month, a lot of celebration. So, uh, you know, thanks for having me on, uh, big listener. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was there. I was there at the championship. That was bonkers. I was with the UVA tailgating, and then I was in the Maryland guys. Maryland people hate me. I've been fading them, like, the entire year, the entire tournament. So you guys winning was huge for me. So personal shout-out, personal thanks. Uh, like, you saved my ass big time. Looked like you guys were having more fun in the stands than, than we were on the field. I saw oh. some of your videos on Instagram. Dude, it was fucking nuts. We were with, like, Regan Quinn's uh, brother, and they were doing, like, the luge off roads, like, big fat head, like, uh, like the blow-up thick picture. It was hilarious. Great time in the stands. Yeah, Dukes was, uh, Dukes was borderline about to get fired from the podcast, and then you decided to go off. What would you have in that game? I think you, you and Moore both had four apiece, maybe, if, if I remember correctly. So, um, yeah, Dukes definitely owes you a, a, bit of, a bit of gratitude for that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you said it's been, you know, a bit of a whirlwind since winning that thing. Um, you know, you're, you're a Charlottesville native, right? So, um, I mean, still kind of just – sticking around and so like what's the buzz been around town since uh i mean obviously it's not like this is the first one in a while since um you know the boys were able to win one in in 2019 um but what you know what's kind of the pulse of the pulse of seaville right now yeah i think everyone's still just trying to process it at least from our team i mean it's kind of weird you you grow up always dreaming of winning one and then you do and it's like it doesn't really hit you but um I guess Charlottesville, it's, it's been pretty cool. I know baseball, the baseball run's taken a, a little bit of, from the celebration just because everyone's been so invested in that. But And know, that pitcher. Yeah, I think people were pretty fired up, to be honest. Um, you know, it's not very often that you went back-to-back. So, um, you know, I think, I think people in Seville were definitely pretty excited. And, you know, hopefully it will create a little bit of a buzz for, uh, for next season as well. You know, a bunch of your teammates were on the t- team that won in 2019. You were still in high school. How much does that motivate you? Do you want to be the person next year? Do you think the three P could happen? Are you looking to get two rings back to back? Because I know like Matt Moore, three, finishing off a three P, you getting your back to back. That'd be pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome. I, I think we, I don't want to come out with a hot take here, but I think we should win it next year. You know, just with the guys that we have coming back, the talent. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just so nice to win one. We, I remember being at the championship banquet my freshman year watching all the guys get their rings and, and their mini nationals. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is brutal. Like, you know, we're in the stands and they're up on the stage and we're like clapping for them. And it's like, it's so awkward. So to finally win one and then, you know, have a, a, a pretty good chance to win another one next year. You know, it's definitely pretty exciting. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of those guys on the field, they, they obviously had that experience being there in, in 2019. Um, now you're, I mean, you weren't like a true freshman, right? You had the, the 2020 year where red shirt. Um, so it's not like you were like brand new to this team by any means, but you know, the first time, you know, getting on the field with these guys, um, you know, I, I want to know, like, because there came a point in that, I mean, really throughout the the run that you guys went on in May, um, but I saw it really the most in that national championship game where it started to look like 
not that you were taking over the offense, but like you had just as much ownership of that offense as anybody else on that field. Um, so I kind of want to know, you know, what, what was, you know, the reception like, like when you first got into town um, and then, you know, was there any like specific point that you can kind of look back on as a moment that you were like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm not just like the freshman here. Like I can like step up, voice my opinion on how this offense should go. And, you know, I can kind of do what I want to do without having to worry about like them being like, all right, freshman, like go sit on the bench. Yeah. I think the three weeks we had off between I think Syracuse was our last game. And then the first round game with Bryant was huge. You know, it was kind of like, okay, now, now we finally need to reevaluate, you know, and take this next step. Like you said, I'd kind of have a decent year. I mean, um, you know, it was it was just like very mediocre, very average. And then those three weeks kind of gave me a time to, you know, kind of take the next step, improve things that I want to work on, and then, you know, kind of have a new mentality for the playoffs because you kind of get in that win and go home mode and you know, you gotta you gotta turn it up a notch, you're gonna get every team's best shot. So um, you know, there was that and then I guess I would give a lot of credit to our, our other offensive guys as well. You know, we had we had a bunch of older guys that had been there. So, you know, we're just working with Matt um getting advice from him on how to handle the playoffs and you know obviously he had an insane run in, in 2019 so i uh, just learning from him and you know, i think it, it says a lot about our offense just like all the guys we had that could have a breakout game um so no nobody had to do anything extra it was kind of just you know whoever the defense was allowing to have a, a huge day that day kind of um was able to have the big performance so i think it's a lot of credit to our offense and, and unselfishness yeah, I just want to hop in here before Dukes gets going. Um, would just like to mention, I was being incredibly facetious when I introduced you as having a decent season. Like, I, I, I know that you might want to be a little bit humble, but you were a killer all year. So that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. De- I, I think that there are um, probably at least like a million lacrosse players in the world right now who, who would kill to have the season that you had. So, uh, um, but yeah, so very humble of you though to say that you were maybe a little bit up and down during the regular season uh but dukes yeah hop in there no i mean if we're gonna go i'll keep it on that track a little bit i mean you did go from being you know top like maybe second team all-american third team all-american caliber to by the end of the year you were being talked about as i'm not going to make you to take put words in your mouth but there are people on the internet who are like he could play in the pll right now that's how good of a year you are uh you had but skipping away from that you know, playing for Lars Tiffany, I'm in love with Lars's stick, um, the wooden stick. It's it's just kind of the whole facade about him. Does Lars let you have a catch with that stick, or does he let anyone on the team touch it? What's the deal with it? Yeah, so it actually serves as our um, – we have, like, a hammer award. So after each game, if we win, we have a game ball, and then we have the hammer award. So whoever has the biggest hit or, like, the most hits gets the, gets the wooden stick for a week, and – and you kind of carry it down to practice or to the games, but you know, come game time, like you'll always see him out of warm ups throwing around with his, uh, as a famous Lars quote, his big wood. So, <laughs> <laughs> he loves that thing. It's like in all of his interviews, um, he's got it on the bus, like right next to him. I think that's his, his, uh, bus partner. So, I mean, he's hilarious with that thing. It goes everywhere we go and obviously has significance to him and his uh, family as well. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And, and the fact that he gets, he lets us throw around with it is, it's pretty funny and pretty cool. You know, I think I used to play goalie in high school. I think if you took that stick and you took 10 shots on me, how many think you're getting by me? Backup goalie, so it wasn't anything. How, how far are we shooting from? I'll, like I think 10. Ten. I'll give you 10. 10 yeah. in that wooden hammer. God, I don't know. 10 with a wooden pole? That's yeah. a... 
I might say like five or six. I mean, Coach Tiffany's bringing some heat. Like yeah. I before the Notre Dame game, he was throwing some heaters in there from like five or six yards, some high bouncers. So it's got a little bit of tug on it. But yeah, I'll go like five or six. I'll just there we go. What, what about what about down the alley hitting the answer? <laughs> Throw the answer at me. Um, I don't know that's, if eight, I that's eight or nine on you, Dukes. You're not, you're not catching up to that I mean, one. Yeah, yeah. That, might, that might be automatic. I might be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I would just duck. I think I would just run away, cry, go home. Yeah, I think I'm, oh. just, shooting, I think I'm shooting at you, though. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out of the way. <laughs> How much – you know, like your defense, because you guys return your entire defense. Bobby Gavin was the freshman. He played a couple games early on. So you guys are going to come back with a lot of talent. How helpful is it going against those lanky defenders in practice every day? And how did that prepare you for the run? I mean, it's very, like, going against – it's weird. It's like you beat them, but you don't actually beat them. Like, going against Caden and Cole, they're so long and rangy. It's like you, you can make the best move in the world, but, you know, it sticks still in your gloves and, and you're not actually beating him. So, um, it was funny with Kastner, even, even, like, the second week of the season, we're preparing for Army and Loyola, and it's cold, and it's February, and it's like this kid's barely even played because we had such a weird fall. And he was so – like, you could just tell on the scout team he was going to be so dominant, you know, when he got – when he got more reps. So, um, you know, his progression was, was pretty huge. And, you know, I think next year he could be a first caliber or first team All-American caliber defender. So, um, you know, his progression, Cade Sawstead, I mean, you saw, you saw how he did against Bernhardt in the final, pretty insane. And then uh, obviously Bobby Gavin, we have a lot of trust in. And then this uh, Matthew Noons kid, I think he's the number one goalie recruit. So, um, you know, supposedly he's pretty legit as well. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the defense stacked and then obviously offense stacked as well. And, and I, I, I feel bad saying that because like we have you on the podcast right now and like, I loved watching you this season, but if I'm being totally honest, like my favorite player to watch this season and for like the past couple of years, I fucking love Ian Laviano. Like, I think that he's like, he's just, He's like that, that like little like energy bunny that like every great team needs, um, you know, he rides his ass off. He can score some goals. What I want to know though, like I have it in my head that he's just constantly talking shit the entire game. And I kind of want to see if, if I'm right or wrong on that one. So um, can you either confirm or deny that he's a shit talker? Cause that's what my sneaking suspicion would be. And if not, like who's, Who's throwing, you know, some chirps around the most, especially on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I, I can definitely confirm that. I mean, I went back and watched the a little bit of the tournament run on TV, and I'm like, holy crap, this dude is literally commentating the whole game. Like, all the hot, all the mics are picking him up the whole game. Like, from midfield when we're on when we're on defense, he's screaming the whole time. Or like, after a couple of the goals, you can hear him like absolutely giving it to the defense. So, you know, he's definitely he's definitely probably our biggest trash talker. But it's like, it's funny because you guys see it on game day. But I mean, it's probably like 10 times more heated in practice. I mean, he's given it to Coach Tiffany. He's given it to, you know, some of our own guys. Like, I mean, we had one guy, we had one kid enter the transfer portal. And the next day, he's like calling him portal and stuff in this scrimmage. We had a young guy versus old guy scrimmage. He's absolutely giving it to him, calling him portal and stuff. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like we have a we have a tournament game in three days, like relax, <laughs> which is like, it's constant, but you know, he also has like the celebration, the hustle. So he backs it up. Um, but you know, he's, he's about as good as a teammate as you can get uh, with everything that he brings to the table outside of scoring goals. You no, know, we've Love talked that. a lot about, we've talked a lot about like who's, 
who you guys have coming back next season, who do you think you guys are going to miss the most next year? Um, you could definitely put, I mean, it's, that's hard just because you could put, you could put Ian in there. I mean, the guy scores a hundred goals, but you know, if you turn on the film and from like a lacrosse perspective, if you watch what he does inside collapsing defenses, it's, it's insane. Um, you could put Alex Rode into that mm -hmm. conversation, obviously just with how clutch he is and you know how he's one of the greats at UVA. But, um, I think one of the more obvious ones would be probably Jared Connors just because of, I mean, the ground yeah. balls, the, I mean, the guy absolutely erases one player on the offense. And, I mean, sometimes you take it for granted, but if you go back and watch the film, it's literally like 5v5 out there. I mean, in the tournament, I don't know if the guys he guarded literally had more than two points against him in, in any games. I mean, he just – and plus the transition, the goals and assists. So, I mean, that guy, he's a freak. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it is, like, crazy to talk about this team. And, you know, you might not kind of – you like you might not get it like right now just because like you're in the middle of it but like from like the outside looking at like you guys have like a lot of players who like 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 you got like a lot of like dudes you know like some teams they, they got like one guy on their team that it's like yeah like you know that he's a fun player to watch like you guys have so many of them um and like so as a charlottesville native like i'd imagine that you probably grew up a pretty big uva fan I, i'd imagine being right in town there um so you know like who was your favorite UVA guy growing up? Because, like, you, you probably look around at the kids walking around with lax sticks right now. Like, they're they're looking at you guys. Like, the, like they'll be, you'll be their answer in like twenty years. So, who was your guy growing up that was your favorite Cav? Definitely Seal Samick. Probably. You know, I started going to the games a lot. Probably two thousand nine, two thousand ten. His freshman sophomore year. So, um, you know, just watching him and. A funny story I tell everyone is my, I think it was my fourth or fifth grade teacher. Her son played on the team and Steele signed one of like my spelling tests or something. And I literally thought it was like the coolest thing ever. You know, I had the UVA lacrosse six jerseys. So, um, you know, it was, he was definitely my, my idol. And then um, being at did the you, Did you spell everything? Did you spell everything correct? What'd you get on the spelling quiz? I don't know about that one. <laughs> but like, yeah, probably not great. <laughs> Right, not great, but um, yeah, probably just steal Stanley. All right, I mean that. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, also, kind of, it's it's a little it's a little hard for me to hear that because it kind of shows my age that like, you know, I'm I'm like looking back like like Matt Ward, big one. I'm I'm a Johnny Christmas guy though, and you guys like because Johnny Christmas Philly guy. Did did you know that you're Philly's team? Every, like you're basically Philly adjacent right now. Like I would like, you, you probably know enough about Delco at this point. And this is good radio for everyone listening right now who doesn't give a shit about Philly lacrosse, but whatever I'm on the podcast, I'm going to talk about it, but you have so many Philly guys on that team. So many Delco guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, Johnny Christmas, absolute legend at Virginia. Um, Steel Sandwick legend as well, but all the Delco guys legend. So if you just wanted to give a quick shout out to Delco and Philly lacrosse, like yeah, you can just go ahead and say that it's, it's America's hotbed. I was going to say shout out Delco, shout out my Delco boys, you know, when the Wawa went in, it was a big hit, big day in the big day. <laughs> so growing up, you loved UVA. Was there any team? Cause I'm not going to say you hate a team right now cause you're playing against all of them, but what's a team that you grew up where you're like, I, I don't like that school. Oh God. It, it had to be Duke. I think, yeah, whenever Duke was in town for, you know, football, basketball, or, or lacrosse, it was always a huge turnout, and, you know, the hate definitely gets gets ramped up a lot. So, um, definitely Duke. 
you know, I, I think growing up, my grandma had like the beat Duke pins and, you know, everyone would wear them to the game. So I'll definitely say Duke. You know, there's definitely a hatred for, uh, for those guys in Seville. And do you guys ever play like pickup basketball together or any of those sort of things? Because I want to know, how, how's Cole Caster's game? Because I'm hearing some rumors that he might play for the basketball team next year. Is he legit? Yeah, Cole Caster's legit. He's like, he's casually dunking. He, he looks, I mean, for how tall he is, he's freakishly <laughs> athletic. So, yeah, he's so smooth. So, hopefully he doesn't play basketball next year. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Lawrence is praying he doesn't play basketball. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like go go on a nice little run into April and then come back with some, you know, fresh lax legs and then go on a run in May. So I I think I think you could make the two of those work. And plus there's there's way too many of the the football lacrosse crossovers right now. Um obviously Chris Hogan, Doc Aiken, Jared Bernhardt. Um so we, we we need a little bit more of the basketball lacrosse crossover. So Yeah. It's not a bad crossover. I mean I know the the sleeping pods and the and the top notch facilities are they got to be enticing. So I, you know, whatever he wants to do, but obviously we'd love to have him for the for May and the, the cross. They, they don't let the, you guys. They, they don't let you guys mess around with anything like that. No, we're the trailer park boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the move though, because you know those early February games, hands are cold, getting slashed in the hands. No one like wants to play at West Point when it's twenty five degrees out. So just playing basketball, keeping warm, playing indoors, and then just getting into the lacrosse season when it's warm out, it's kind of a 200 IQ play. And you can win two championships in the same year. Exactly. Yeah, not uh, bad. Not bad. Um, yeah, I, I just got a couple more questions for you here, and we'll wrap it up. But uh, so, you know, obviously you have a great season. Uh, you got to play a ton of lacrosse. First, you know, real competitive lacrosse you probably got to play in, in quite some time. Um, but now you, you've got the summer. You've, you've got a chance to kind of get back out there and just, you know, play around some, you know, maybe, maybe some pickup lacks, maybe some tournament lacks. So, um, you know, what, what's your schedule looking like this summer? Are you playing in any of the tournaments? Still trying to figure it out, but I think there's a high chance for, for Placid and the Shore or maybe both. So, um yeah, I got to figure that out, but we'll see. Got a couple of the Delco guys that are going up to um, the shore to play, and then we got to figure out they might be going to Placid as well, so I might hop on their team. Well, so what what Placid team are they going to be playing with? You know, is it going to be Mesa or is it going to be Jimmy? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, because you coached Jeff Connor, right? No, I, I coached against Jeff oh, Connor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, beat, beat him plenty of times. Also beat Matt Moore plenty of times. So Matt Moore who keeps ducking us to come on the podcast. Um, but yeah, no, uh, but yeah, I GMH, if you go up to Placid with Mesa, I mean, they're, they're going to be a tough, a tough matchup for you guys. So I know you had a lot of success in the NCAA tournament, but if you're going to Placid and, and you end up going against GMH, it, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be a tough out. Yeah. The ones like well, how do I get on yeah. that? Uh, you know what? We'll, we'll talk after this is done. And because, uh, because yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll get, I think I get a, a little bit of commission kickback on uh, every goal you score in Placid. So we'll put you on the roster and then you can just uh, load up the back of the net and then everybody's happy. Right. I like that. All, all the great players have the kind of like their I'm here moment. Do you think, that shot down the left-hand alley in the national championship was your uh, I'm here, next season's my season sort of moment? Or what did you think was in that run? Wait, which moment? You know, like when you – I don't even know how to describe Was it the answer? 
when he oh, went yeah. down the left alley and then off the right hand hit. Because that was my favorite shot of the entire tournament. Or yeah. which, which moment do you think you were like, damn, like I, I belong. This is this is my this is my shit. <laughs> to be honest it might have been I don't know if it like hit me in the moment but like looking back on it it might have been either like the UNC game that like semi-low angle one stick side Mm -hmm. Craig got a piece and it kind of just snuck into the top right probably that one or I don't know I I like the I like the inside roll against grill or like really any of the goals in the championship yeah kind of looking up at the scoreboard like holy crap like no, you're you're actually in you're actually in this. So um, you know any of those moments, but really, really when the tournament hit, it, that's when it kind of hit me. I was like, you know, okay, this is this is legit. Also, like the ACC has stacked goalies, in my opinion. I think Entman and I think that Krieg are two of the best goalies, and I think that they're going to be pros, be two of the best goalies of all. I think so highly of them. Who do you think was the best goalie in the ACC? Toughest to go against besides Alex Road. God, that's tough because, like you said, there's there's so many. Um, we shot we shot well against Creek. I mean, obviously he was yeah, I mean, you guys he did. balled against us. Um, our first game against them, probably like twenty saves. So I mean, he was legit. Entman is is insane, but you know he has that defense, so he doesn't see any terrible shots. That defense was so good, but um, yeah, I mean Adler played so well against us too, though. He was like he was standing on his head, so. I'll probably give it to like those three. I mean, I'm not giving you an answer here, but yeah, we were, we were lucky. We got to go on against road every day and you know, with how competitive he is and you know, he's chirping us. And so we get to see one of the best every day. So we're so fortunate. So yeah. Drake Porter was the toughest goalie in the ACC. We can, we can move on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I got one last question for you. Um, now, you know, you, you play a lot of lacrosse throughout your career and you get, you get stuck on a lot of bus rides, a lot of long bus rides. Um, sometimes, you know, the, the bus can be a great place, you know, make a lot of memories with the boys, but sometimes you're on the bus for a long ass time and it starts to get a little sweaty in there. A lot of man heat, um, you know, a lot of agitated dudes sitting elbows to elbows. Uh, and, and you guys had quite a long one back from Hartford, but you also had a championship trophy with you. So, um, you know, scale one to 10, just how incredible what I get it couldn't it maybe it wasn't incredible but how was that ride back to Charlottesville after winning the national championship I mean it, it was insane it was it was long but um you know we drove two buses up there just because of COVID still and you know I had to split the team up but on the way back we had we had all 40 to 50 guys on the same bus and you know let's just say we had we had sandwiches getting on the bus and there was sandwiches all over the floor and it was it was hot, loud music, um, a lot. It was fun. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we were kind of dreading the ten hour bus ride and and hoping everyone's kind of on their maps phone, hoping that we're gonna veer right to the to the private um, charter flight. But you know that didn't happen, so we had to suck it up through a little karaoke in there. So uh, you know, it wasn't the worst ten hours of our lives. So um, and you know, we stopped at a gas station at like nine thirty at night where. Laviano was carrying the trophy and screaming that we won the national. And so, um, you know, it was a good time. You're, I was with Malasek you. at the game. And I remember like we were, we were drinking a little bit and I was like, do I sober up or do I just keep boozing? And I was like, try to sneak onto the UVA bus. Cause I, I was, I was ready. I was ready to go 10 hours and take the flight home. I was fully prepared, but I don't think Lars would have enjoyed my company too much. Dude, some kid did that in 2019. 
Oh, no. Players went on one bus, and, like, Carla Williams, Lars, all the coaches go on this other bus. And this dude sneaks on to Lars's bus, hang, hangs out in the back, it's, like, cracking beers every 10 minutes. And suddenly they like, look back, and they find him, and they just, like, dropped him off in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Some, like, That's... random kid. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Dude, um, you should have done it. If, content. If, if you really cared, you would have done it. Um, that would have been good content. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it, it, it seemed like that was an, an incredible ride for the boys, like the whole tournament. And then obviously the, the bus ride back as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what a way to start off your college career and, um, listen, man, Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think we're all pretty, pretty pumped that we still get to watch another three years of you at, uh, UVA. I think, you know, maybe some defenses are going to be a little pissed off about that, but, uh, as lax fans, we're pumped for it. So thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have you on, uh, after another one at some point in your career. And, um, yeah, I mean, just just go watch some uh, Johnny Christmas highlights. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having me on. Enjoyed it. All right, thanks, brother. We'll talk to you. She doesn't know the dress. Her hair is always a mess. If cat's a stealing, she won't confess. She's beautiful. Smokes a pack a day. You wait, that's me. But anyway, she doesn't care a thing about that. Hey, she thinks I'm beautiful. Meet Virginia She never compromises Loves babies and surprises Wears high heels when she exercises 